Hello, everyone. I'm Al Daldegan, creator and producer of the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. This episode is hosted by Peyton Wild. Peyton is a recent graduate from the software development program at SATE. He has a strong passion for software development, web design, and all things tech. In addition to his technical skills, he has also ventured into content creation and is currently learning Photoshop and DaVinci Resolve to produce captivating images and videos for his social platforms. When he's not engrossed in coding, Peyton enjoys spending time rock climbing, biking, and cooking. Let's listen in as Peyton has a chat with Daniel Monzon. Peyton, the mic is yours. Welcome to the Leaders, Innovators, and Big Ideas podcast, supported by Rainforest Alberta. This podcast showcases the people who are working to improve Alberta's innovation ecosystem. My name is Peyton Wild, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Daniel Monzon. Daniel, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good, Peyton. Thanks for asking, and thanks for having me here on the show today, or on the guest, the podcast. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you could take the time to be with me today. A little bit about Daniel, I guess. He started Creative Social, which is an information management company in 2015, which grew into a management consulting firm that helps people and organizations bring their ideas to life. Working with people and systems to manage customer service relations and business operations, building capacity and creating value. Over the past 10 years, Daniel has had the experience working with different industries, including construction, technology, supply chain, finance, energy, non-for-profit, and all three levels of government, federal, provincial, and municipal. In 2002, he partnered up with local Calgary businesses to create Catapult Startups, a not-for-profit organization that helps underrepresented people launch SMEs or startups. Their mission is to help underrepresented people launch 200 SMEs or startups in the Alberta ecosystem by 2032, creating 5,000 jobs and generating $3 billion in direct GDP. In his spare time, Daniel enjoys volunteering and yeah, I don't know. What, what else do you enjoy doing, Daniel? What, what's, what's your uh, hobbies? I would say definitely soccer. I watch yep. a lot of soccer from, you know, Champions League to Copa America to um, African Champions League to the Asian Champions Cup. I mean, wow. I'm watching the Women's World Cup coming up, which Canada's playing actually later on today, tonight, eight o'clock. I think Mountain Time against Nigeria. So I'm looking forward to that game. Wow. And then another thing too that people aren't aware of, unless they know me very well, is that I am a huge Star Wars um, Lego fan. Oh, yeah. Love Star Wars, uh, but specifically, I'm a huge Lego um, Star Wars geek. So <laughs> I have that's... a lot of huge Star Wars collection. Lego oh, that's collection. awesome. I, uh, I'm absolutely a Star Wars Lego geek as well. I guess growing up, I had, I had everything and think the millennial the millennium falcon was you know the, the pinnacle of star wars lego for me but um, for, for me now it's i'm actually trying to get that the hoth base from the lego uh, old school classic lego sets wow. um but i don't have enough space anymore <laughs> for, <laughs> so my fiance she's you want more lego you gotta we have to get a bigger place and i'm like oh, fair enough. <laughs> that's always the way it goes you know you gotta you gotta pick and choose a little bit with with the sets that you build because yeah they take up some space, but you know, they're art, you know, that's, that's how you can sell it. It's, it's art. 
there, and for me, honestly, like I, I enjoy it because I turn my mind off. Mm. It's easy to just to follow a map instructions and you just start building something. Um, but it's also very nostalgic, you know, brings me back to being a kid again. Mm. Um, and in the kind of work that I do, I feel it's like a huge stress reliever for me. It's, it's something that I'm like, because what I do takes a long time to see results or, or see the fruits of your labor. When I'm building Lego, you know, within a couple of hours or so, building, depending on what I'm building, I can see the end product, right? So it's yeah. almost gratifying that I see the end product, but it's also a bit of mind numbing because I'm just following instructions instead of having to constantly set up strategies and executions and and then pivots and whatnot. You know, I'm just able to go ahead and uh, turn my mind off for a little bit. I guess you can wow. see that. Yeah, that that's super cool. I guess I've always kind of had a similar experience with not only Lego but just building things with my hands in general. I find kind of in the tech space or the innovation space, there's a lot of mental work that goes on. Like, you know, you're you're in your brain a lot and you're talking with people and creating really like exciting solutions and stuff. But yeah, having something that kind of just grounds you and like you can just, yeah, follow some instructions and build some sweet Lego. I think that's really cool. I guess that's a great way to kind of segue into like mental health and stuff like that, I guess. When I, when I first met you, uh, I was really kind of shocked by how well you seem to manage time. I don't know if that's just like a perceived thing or if you feel like you've really got like time management skills down, but yeah, I'm wondering if you could share anything about that. I think it's 50-50 what you're saying. Um, I think I've managed myself, my time management pretty good, but I think there's a lot of room to improvement. So maybe it's a perception that I manage my time very well. And this is what I mean by that. So I'm pretty good when it comes to execution and meeting deadlines. You know, like any human being, sometimes things happen and you got to be able to um, just still deliver on time. But, you know, things will happen that you might need to like get an extension in a day or two on, on delivering your product, delivering your, your your report, you know, what you set up, the, the deliverables that you set out to do at the beginning of a project. Um, but I guess I would say it really depends on knowing yourself, who you are as a person. And what I mean by that is you're going to know if you have low energy levels in the morning or high energy levels or high energy levels at night or low energy levels at night. I think what I've learned over the years is that and it's I know my peak hours of being productive. It's really early in the morning. So that's like seven, six in the morning, all the way up to like 11, just about 11 o'clock. And then from two, three o'clock until seven o'clock. I know that that is the most productive I am. For whatever reason, my brain works that way. So I have really early meetings or late afternoon meetings. I'm good. I have meetings in the middle of the day. I'm a bit drowsier. So I try to do, try to do different things um, that don't require brain power. I and mean, then I try to do it always work that way. I've also tried to give myself Wednesdays with no meetings, unless it's a very important meeting based on my mission that I set up for the year. Otherwise, Wednesdays, stay at the office or stay at home and I just work. No meetings, no nothing. To make sure that I deliver some of the products I need to deliver. Um, Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays and Fridays are for meetings, but I try to cap off meetings no later than noon on Friday, unless you're that very important individual that I need to meet, which tends to be any kind of partnerships, I'll break that rule for. If you're a client, I'm sorry, you know, it's at different days, but that just allows me time to take care of both the partners, the clients, and also the ecosystem partners as well. 
um, that I work with, right? And everybody gets a fair amount of time that way. What we're trying to do here at Catapult Startups is that we're able to, to achieve and get done. So it's really about balancing that time. I'm not always the best at it. Sometimes things pile up, you know, I'm not going to lie. But I think it's being able to quickly reset yourself helps out. Um, knowing, knowing how you work and your, your workflow, you know, everybody's different. I have the luxury that I am my own boss. So there's days that I have a bunch of meetings in the morning and I got to work late in the afternoon. But that's just the way I set up work. But as long as the work gets done, I think early on my life, I was really hard on me if I worked past five or six, even if I had meetings during the day, thinking that all oh, that being really productive. And later on, I began to understand you're having meetings that is being productive. You know, it's okay to work past five. Maybe that's how it's set up. Don't, you know, that's not like you need to overwork and work yourself to death. No, it's more of a like, hey, if I have meetings from nine to 11, you know, and then I take a lunch break and then a couple of meetings, but they're really not in, that intense in, in strategy or in brain power. You know, I, I don't feel like I put in a lot of, you know, output in the workday, right? So you still feel like you need to, you know, you still need to answer emails and do that. And that takes a little bit of, of mental power. That's fine. But for whatever reason, I would feel like, oh, it's five. Um, that means I'm being lazy. Didn't get everything done in the time allowed. I'm like, well, no, I'm in meetings, right? It's okay to be like, hey, finish up your emails at seven. Okay, you're done, right? But knowing like your time flow, like there's some better understanding like that as a person, I think helps out. And, and yeah, it's, it's always analyzing. I try to do that every month and being like, okay, or sometimes every two weeks, like how do my meetings go? How much time did I spend on projects? Okay, that's too much time on meetings. I need to scale it back. You know, for example, I would give individuals hour meetings. Now I'm giving them half an hour meetings, sometimes 15 minute meetings, depending on what they're asking of me. So I try to manage my resource a lot better. My resource being time. That's the biggest resource you have, right? Another thing is that recently, then I just talked to one of my best friends about this and I love learning from my friends and, you know, they say that you're the, you're the representation of your five or six closest people that surround you. So one of my friends, he is a sales manager for Beam Satori and he talks about the 80-20 rule, but the 80-20 rule, not exactly in sales, but in business tasks. And then what are the tasks that are, you know, going to generate that are 20% of your business, but generate 80% of your revenue? And what are the tasks that take up 80% of your time? but only generate 20% of the revenue, right? And that, like, literally, like, as soon as I heard that, like, a little bulb in my head, and I'm like, you're absolutely right. You know, I'm like, and I literally broke it down, like, to all the tasks that I did. I mean, the two things that I do to sale, to, to generate revenue, is sales and marketing. That's 20% of what I do that generates 80% of our income coming in, our revenue. But the other stuff, the networking, the partnerships, the info sessions, the panel discussions, uh, the podcasts, which is also important as well, all those things... In the long term, we'll add 20%, but they're still it's still valuable for the organization to do. But you need to be focused that, remember, that's only going to generate 20%. Right. So be mindful of that and be respectful of your time. So yeah. you even though it's 20% you need to do for that 80%, maybe you should be doing 25 to 30, mm. right? And, and how do you manage that, right? But again, it's not neglecting one or the other, but it's understanding which ones generate more revenue right which ones you need to do first right so that kind of like gives you a bit of a structure to figure out what your priorities are and stuff like that yeah i guess yeah i'm a super big fan of those kind of like mindset things or like like yeah this like way of structuring your time and saying like okay i'm gonna invest this much time into something and then put this much time and like you're kind of sharing you know sometimes there are exceptions to that you know maybe water work piles up that week or you get really busy or something but you know having that kind of 
loose structure at least gives you the the freedom to you know maybe put the work down for a little bit and say okay you know i can spend some time with family or i can do my hobbies for a little bit i think that's like super valuable um, i think what, what also helps out too it's and this might sound silly but when i have time and when i do it it's it works every time i need to be more stringent on it is write down three things i'm going to accomplish the day before the following day doing that it's it i know it's silly i know it might sound like fluffy but it works because then you wake up in the morning you have your coffee you have your shower you eat your breakfast and you know what you're gonna do you don't even have to think about it that's taken care of so you're like oh i gotta do that boom and and you go right to it and that it, it's a huge 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 advantage because you're saving an hour of work maybe two hours of work because you're gonna figure out well what am i doing today what needs to be done what am i need to prioritize the day before so the morning you're, you're starting off your your day with a bag right that helps me every single time i don't do it always because i'm getting busy to get tired and then the day it's you know seven or eight and i'm like i don't i don't want to do it i'm tired <laughs> i'll do it tomorrow morning yeah and then i end up wasting more time the next day but again and then i feel that if you do it the day before your mind knows what it needs to do so it's fresh so it's it's a quick half an hour 15 minutes right well the next day you're like what was i working on yesterday what and it takes time <laughs> and you're get, wasting get time the wheels again, turning that, again exactly yeah, i definitely feel that i guess <clears throat> i've experimented with like two types of kind of goal setting like that or like task like listing i guess or i don't know you know to-do list kind of things and yeah i've tried it in the morning as well and in the evening and I definitely agree with you that like the evening feels a lot more productive because like you're removing that decision fatigue from the next day. You know, you just wake up the next day, you do your morning routine, and then you can just start on stuff. You don't have to like figure it out or make decisions on what's important. It's already, you're good to go. Yeah, that's that's super cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I guess, do you want to like talk a little bit about Catapult Startups and kind of what you spend your days working on like that and what you guys really do? Yeah, no, for sure. So Catapult Startups, we're a not-for-profit accelerator and we help out underrepresented people launch startups or scale SMBs. But within that, we also help, and I like to use analogy, so, you know, kill two birds with one stone. We also like to help um, new uh, immigrants, newcomers, and refugees looking for work, getting back into their careers. And we thought about it, hey, we're going to be launching these companies from underrepresented people, so that also includes immigrants, newcomers, refugees, um, and also scaling these businesses. Why not, you know, provide also work experience to the newcomer, immigrant, refugee population, right? So it to us just made perfect sense. It made a lot of a logic. And the reason being behind it is that the average immigrant or newcomer has either 10-year plus experience in the industry, in their field, plus an MBA. Uh, and that is just down the road. Of, that really impressed us when we started talking to the entrepreneurs. So essentially our mission and what we're trying to do here within the Calgary ecosystem, it's helped the Calgary Innovation Coalition reach their North Star. Um, and we're doing that by helping them, you know, by with our mission of of helping underrepresented people launch 200 SMEs or startups, you know, in the Alberta ecosystem by 2032, you know, with the goal of creating 5,000 jobs and generating $3 billion in direct GDP into the Alberta economy. Now, we know that's a lofty goal, but we believe the potential is out there. I mean, one of the companies alone that we are working with, Right Financial, when they will be launching their second iteration of their application, which is a financial, which application helps people save funds on average of $500 a month by finding out different ways of, of budgeting their, their income and what their expenditures are. 
Now, this organization or this company, um, when they came to us, you know, they're like, they were looking for very specific things and services, which we could help them out. But the biggest thing to reach that goal that I just talked about, they said, well, we're looking at a potential office as the old Greyhound office. So the old Greyhound complex, and that's the office they're looking at. And that would bring in around 900 jobs. So that's just from one organization, from an immigrant. And that it's an fintech that pretty much came with all the legal document papers to us because of what he, and he just needs help with the front end and the bit of the marketing and the branding, figuring out that. And he is just, he is a tech individual, a high tech individual with tech business, tech acumen. And he partnered up with us to help them launch his, his, his startup, right? So again, there's a lot of businesses that have a high potential. Now, that doesn't mean that every business is going to have that, you know, be able to create 900 jobs, you know, and, and generate so many millions into the economy. Some of them are going to generate great five jobs, and that's okay. And generate half a million, that's fine. Some are going to generate 100 million, and that's okay. You know, so some are going to rate a million, some are rate 50, 25, it really depends. But their potential is there, right? Um, so essentially, what we're trying to do Besides working with entrepreneur, immigrant, newcomer, refugee entrepreneurs to launch um, their startups to scale their SMBs, we're also working within the ecosystem. So we we work we're members of the Calgary Innovation Coalition, which Alberta Rainforest is also part of. And essentially, our bigger goal with that organization is to help out the ecosystem and through partnerships. So we're working with non-for-profit organizations that, that deliver settlement services or um, business entrepreneurship services to the immigrant newcomer refugee community. That being, you know, the Calgary Catholic Immigrant Society, the Calgary Immigrant Women Association, um, the Immigrant Education Society, Momentum, or Center for Newcomers. We're working with them, we've partnered up with them to be able to help other immigrants, newcomer refugee community, you know, um, either start up or launch their businesses, scale some of their SMBs, but also help them with their career path. And we do that through network for the career path with through networking. And we constantly try to connect different industries with different individuals. But also we also do that through mentorship as well. So I personally try to mentor different individuals that I feel that like, you know what, you should be working in our ecosystem right off the bat. I'll give you two quick examples. One of them that just got her job on uh, yesterday, I believe. Um, and this is just, you know, over the, over the moon, incredible. Yeah. That's super exciting. Um, her name is Ben Sahir and now she's a junior analyst. Um, she just found employment and the other one is Jafar who just found employment about a week ago, working, um, as a lawyer or as a legal aide, I believe my, my, my apologies within the city of Calgary. Now this individual, both of those individuals were from Afghanistan. They had to flee because of Taliban coming in. They were both working within the government, so their names were endangered. Um, but through our events, through our networking, through our mentorship, and through other and and through organizations like CCIS, which did a lot of the heavy lifting, you know, they were able to find work, you know, um, and they're finding work in their fields, not survival jobs, which is what I essentially want to do, right? Um, so those success stories, to me, even though they're small, well, I don't think they're small. I think they're really big because they're changing someone's life, but. You just hear that's just two stories. Yeah, but that's just two stories of many more to come. And we've been able to do this within, I would say, less than like two years, less than a year and a half. I mean, we literally started this idea of of Catapult on November, October of 2021. All right. So around this time, 
Ottawa sent an email proposal to, hey, let's have a conversation in October about a potential, you know, incubator accelerator. Let's see what, what your thoughts are. Many discussions. They're like, okay, we want to bring you in. We want you to be the CEO and lead it because of your business development experience, experience with government, mainly with government in those two areas, right? A business development and government experience. We just said, okay, and I like the project. And at that point, we were thinking, are we an incubator, accelerator? And then we defined, no, we're an accelerator. That's where we are. And that's how we're going to operate and work and what we're going to target. But yeah, we've been able to do a lot of things in the last, I would say, almost two years now and identifying the gaps that are missing, helping being within the ecosystem, um, having getting getting our first grant from the CIC to do community outreach projects. You know, so really trying to to position ourselves well within the Calgary Tech ecosystem, within the ecosystem at large, to be able to help out the immigrant newcomer refugee community. You know, so we know it's going to be a long um, term or, or uphill battle to our goal. Essentially, uh, my goal is for Catapult Startup to no longer exist. And what I mean by that is I want us to get to a point that we don't have to exist because companies are looking at immigrants, newcomers, and refugees and giving them opportunities. I don't want us to exist because venture capitals or uh, venture capital firms or angel investors or, or banks or, or different capital institutions with private equity are now investing in immigrant, newcomer, and refugee entrepreneurs without us having to advocate for them. That would be the ultimate goal. When we're no longer, you know, when, when, when we've done our job and we're like, okay, we reached our goal, um, there is a path forward where our goal has been done. Right. Right. That's, that's, I guess, essentially our mission and vision. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but that is essentially where I want to see us to see. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's super cool. I guess the conversation I had two weeks ago with Purpose Med and uh, Kaylee Shuklek, he had a similar kind of idea in that, like, he's like, I want our company to get to a place where we don't have to exist. And I mean, their space is providing healthcare for underrepresented communities and stuff like that. And he's like, you know, somebody has to do it to make people start thinking about it and, you know, change government policies and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, the goal is to, you know, not exist. It's like, we want this to be out in the world and we want people to be accepted and, you know, given equal opportunities and stuff like that. And then, and then we don't need to be, we don't need to be a company anymore. So yeah, I think that's, that's super cool. And that like, you know, the strategy is not to be a long-term company or something like that. It's just trying to like change the world and to get people thinking, get people opportunities. That's super powerful. Yeah. I wanted to dive in a little bit to kind of what got you to catapult startups or like what you were kind of, what your path was like before that a little bit. I guess you've, you talked about like working in government and stuff like that. And like, yeah. You know what? Um, I'm going to be kind of pretty honest here. And I don't think I've been this honest, but I think it's good for people to hear this. And this has to do, and it might sound silly, you can leave it in the podcast or take it out. It's it's up to you guys. But so I recently watched uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary, you know, when he's talking about like him, the bodybuilder and the actor, the, the, govern, um, the, the, the governor, you know, and wanting to get back in service and having a vision and a clear vision of where he wanted to, to go and where he wanted to be. And I think that is the biggest thing that has helped me out to get to where I am today. I remember being 29, 28 when I started doing, what is my 20 year, like when do I want to retire at 65 and working back? So what I want to, what I want to do in the next five years, 10 years, 15 years, and 20 years. And then I would break it down into like family, um, relationships, friends. 
and then it worked. Um, and I would be like, with, with family, I'm like, what do I want from them? I'm like, okay, I need to be a better brother, better son. I want to have family reunions. I need to see them at least once a year and a big barbecue. With friends, okay, you know, talk to you, text your friends once a week. You know, build, building those relationships because it's a two-way street. You know, some friends move out of university. They go to Toronto, Vancouver, Yellowknife, and you still got to keep in contact with them. But I think, again, it's a two-way street. You got to put in the effort. But then you may, hey, let's plan a one a friend trip once every year, you know, because that is important to you. And what do you see yourself five years from now? Five years from now, I will put down seeing myself traveling with our friends and our spouses, you know, as family, you know, and then with, with relationship-wise, okay, I'm looking to start, I want to start dating. I want to find someone that has the same values. I want to have a family. Um, then with work, same thing. I'm like, okay, what do you want to work? Okay, I want to be able to grow my company and have, you know, 200,000 in sales. The next year, I want to be able to have, you know, one employee or be able to hire two people or have five projects. That ambition and, and focus on it and knowing that, okay, even if I don't reach it, I set up such high goals that, okay, I want to make, and I'm not saying this is this is what I want to do, not at all. It's never been monetary value, but let's say, Right. I want to make a billion dollars. Oh wow! No, I only reached eight hundred million. Right. It's still eight hundred million, <laughs> right? And million, right? Yeah. So no, no, I'm not saying that my goal is to make a billion. No, my goal in life, how I see myself, is I want the world to see my talents and my skills and what I can bring to the table because of who I am as a person. And for all of you, for people listening to this podcast, I am an immigrant. I am from Peru. I came here when I was ten. But also, I'm a person with disability. I have one arm and one prosthetic leg. And when people see me in the streets, they give me a petty look, or sometimes they ask me, "What do you do?" And they're completely shocked when I'm like, yeah, "I'm a management consultant. I am a CEO of a not-for-profit. You know, and I'm doing all these things." They're just shocked. They, it sometimes blows their mind. But I get it because they're not used to seeing someone that looks like me do all those things, right? So I understand that. So again, but it's, it's, it's having that mission, that vision of what I want to do and trying to achieve it. Um, you know, so, so with work, the same thing with work and, and, and this is why I want to show the world what I can do with my skills and assets, you know? So for my goal, it's like, okay, how do I, uh, how, how do I help out people with the skills and assets that I have? And eventually that always leads to, you need to have a good relationship with the different infrastructures, organizations in place, which is usually that to be government. So whether that be like Calgary Innovation Coalition, whether that be someone like Alberta Innovation, whether that be someone like a Prairie, Prairie Cans, all government organizations. Um, but again, they're there for a reason and you need to work with them. And and having that goal in mind of like, okay, if I need to reach this goal, I need to communicate in this level or reach this organization and having that vision help, help me out a lot planning that out and then looking back that is why i brought arnold schwarzenegger it's like i remember you know being 29 and writing this very loosely like you know okay this is like in those four columns like you know work um friends family and relationships you know and then you know next to it 5 10 15 20 what do i envision myself doing funny enough in my work i also put in starting a not-for-profit to help out people but the not-for-profit, it's, I just want to give back to the community and I wanted to give back specifically at that time within people with disabilities. This is, of course, back in, you know, when I was 29. Now I'm 39, 10 years ago. So even though I envisioned that and I planned it, now I'm running a non-for-profit organization 
that's helping immigrant newcomers and refugees. And we also help people with disabilities, you know, launch companies as well. So in an essence, I'm doing what I plan, not that exact same thing, but yeah. I'm running a non-for-profit. And I plan to do that when I was 60 as a right. retirement thing. Okay. And now I'm 39 doing it. <laughs> but I think that would never happen if I didn't envision that and plan that out and then, and, then, and then assessing myself, okay, what did you do last year? And I'm the hardest critic of myself. And I have a wonderful partner, Leanne, that supports me and, and gets me thinking the right frame of mind and being like, Daniel, what were you doing last year? I was doing this, 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 this. Okay, what are you doing this year? This, this, this. So are you ahead compared to where last year? Like, yes. Okay, so then you're ahead. So just because you're not as far as ahead as you wish you would have been doesn't mean you didn't move ahead, right? And, and, and always reassessing that because I'm the harshest critic, really hard on myself. And that's another biggest thing to learn is don't be so harsh on yourself. It's okay to make mistakes, but don't confuse that with being lazy or an ability to execute because there's a difference. I'd much rather execute and fail yeah. than execute half-ass hmm. and fail. I don't know if that kind of makes sense. Yeah, I definitely think that makes sense. I can, I can kind of relate to that in that like, you know, trying to put your best effort into something and having it fail after that, it's still like you still worked hard on it and you still put yourself into it. And so like that was the success is that like you applied yourself and you went for it. And yeah, I think, you know, we can often get in our own heads and be our own worst critics of like, oh, I should have been here. I should have been doing this. You know, you can get into that space. But I think kind of like where you're talking about is having, you know, a partner or friends or family, like kind of support structure to just like, you know, ground you and remind you like, hey, you're doing something, you're doing good, you're you're farther ahead than you were last year, you know, and you can keep working hard and be farther ahead next year. I think that's, yeah, super admirable and, and important to just have a support structure around you. Yeah, I guess kind of let's circle back to like networking and kind of your ideas behind that. I think there are a lot of different ideas on networking and kind of people have different objectives within networking sometimes. But what's your kind of method of getting into a space or like approaching an organization, like a government organization or something like that, and like starting to build a relationship. How do you, how do you really do that? You know what? I guess the simplest answer is try to be their friend. I think so many of us, I saw this from, okay, this is, yeah, I got this from Sean Freeman. I don't even know who you know who Sean Freeman is, okay. but he, yeah, he's part of the A100 as one of their board members. Um, he's a board member for Trellis Foundation of Community and Impact. He's a mentor also for Venture Mentoring in Alberta Services. Um, but his company that he launched and sold, and that'll give you a better idea of who he is. And be like, oh, okay, I've heard of him. Um, his company was TWT. Yeah, they go T TWT Group, which was founded eight and a half years ago, and then he sold that to Fully Managed. Okay. So entrepreneur, serious entrepreneur. But yeah, wonderful individual, very, very smart person. One of the things he says, and this is from him, it's it's not business to business, it's not business to customers or B2B or B2C, it's H to H, it's human to human. Uh, and I couldn't agree with more with that concept. When I started early on in business development, you know, this is working at a construction software company, every individual that I met, I was trying to sell. We meet, we exchange business cards, I'm gonna sell you something. And I think that is, the mindset that a lot of business development managers or sales managers or sales coordinators have, um, or anybody trying to grow a business. They're always thinking like, talking to me, I gotta sell them. I gotta sell them because they gotta make money because they're in that pressure game. They can understand that. But you're gonna have your most success 
when you treat the individual as a friend, when you get to know them and you're having a conversation because they're going to let their guard down. And then are you having a conversation with a human being? Now you're not going to have a conversation with someone who's wearing an engineering hat or a customer service hat or a product manager hat. Now you're having a conversation with an actual human being by telling them what they like, what they don't like, and their problems at work. And, and why do you want them to feel like that way? Because if they can communicate their problems at work, and if you're a smart enough individual, you start putting two and two together, and they're complaining about their systems always being faulty, and you're a salesperson for an ERP software developer, boom, match and match, there's two and two together. But you won't get to the point being like, hey, Peyton, can I show you something? Because I think you're going to love it. I'm going <laughs> to sell you this. You're gonna, it's going to be your work. Right. You're like, I'm not, I'm not interested in it. You're, Ears reminds you close. You don't want to hear. Yeah. The best. The best. When I've had the ability, the the best networking that I've done, or the best results that have happened through networking, is when you go to an event, you meet an individual, you share your story of who you are, you ask them questions of who they are, you know, what is the story, what's their background, just their story. You exchange business cards, and then you ask for a networking meeting, to go a little bit deeper. Like we're having now, just a conversation, 45 minutes, half an hour, an hour, conversation, coffee meeting, right? But that's where you can be a little smart about it and ask some strategy. This is where I kind of learned. So let's say if the individual you want to meet is a potential sales partner or a potential client, our meeting, potential partner, our meeting. If it's someone that you can refer to that might help you down the line because they have some insight or resources that you might need, 45 minutes to half an hour meeting. If it's someone that, hey, you know what, there's not a fit, but just wants to pick your brain, 20-minute meeting. And depending on the 20-minute meeting, if you're both, man, this is a really good conversation. I feel like I feel like I'm learning as much from you as it's only from me. Hey, maybe we should have another one. Now let's meet face-to-face and have a coffee because this is like, we might not be in the same space, but I'm learning so much because at the end of the day, all the businesses are the same. They all have sales, they all have finance, they all have marketing. They all have operations, they have human resources. They all they're all ninety nine point nine percent identical. The only thing that changes is their product or services, right. it, essentially. Yeah. Right. So, so kind of having that understanding, like, really, really kind of helps out. So, yeah. I, yeah. I can't agree more with that. I guess I found the most kind of fruitful networking I've had is when when I don't really approach the conversation with much expectations. When like you know the only expectation is, who are you? You know what what can we learn from each other? What kind of conversation can we have? And I think that that is very valuable because you're right that often in the world we get focused on, you know, deadlines or objectives or, you know, I need to hit these goals or something like that. And that can kind of remove the human aspect from it because, yeah, like all companies are kind of the same because they're all run by people. You know, it's all human to human. Exactly. Like, and, and the reason why I say those short meetings is sometimes I've had, I had said, I, and this, this is what I've learned. I set up meetings that were hour long with individuals that it only should have been 15 minute meetings. Um, and it's like you're pulling teeth from their mouth to get them to talk. And within five, three minutes, you're discovering that they're selling to you. And I'm like, okay, well, questions for you. And they're not really communicating. And now it becomes like a forced conversation that you're like, why am I wasting my time having a forced conversation? Which is why you set up. If you think that individual is going to give you that and you better you have a better time assessing it, then you can put them in that 15-minute, 20-minute time frame. And then you discover that's not the case. We all make mistakes. Great. They go into another area. But it's, so it's, it's a little bit of both. I think it's about being smart with your time, but also having open conversation with those individuals. For example, 
if you're not able to have an open conversation, just like a one-on-one, how are you doing? What do you like, dislikes? How can I help you? And things like that, like just a normal human being, you're never going to get to the point where they're like, and this happens to me all the time. It's like, hey, you know what? So we have this product or service. And I'm like, hey, you know, we have the vendors or the clients that might need the product or service. You know what? We should partner. Hmm. And it's like, yeah, we should partner. This makes perfect <laughs> sense. Absolutely. And, and it, there's no friction. There's no you know, right. going against the current. You're going with the current. And it's an easy sell. You're not even selling. And you're like, this is like a slam dunk. This makes perfect sense. This is just logical. It, yeah, it just, totally. It's like it fits in a glove. You're like, are, we, are you selling me or am I selling you? Because it's <laughs> that kind of like easy fit. You know, and, and yeah. now you're just talking about the, the details of how it's going to work in a partnership, but you don't get to that level unless you're able to trust each other. And the only way you can do that is by trust. And you create trust through friendship. And how do you do the friendship is letting your guard down and just letting them who you are. And you're going to be honest, honest and open about it. I mean, the, the most successful sales that I've had is when I was open and honest about it. I'll, I've told people, I'm like, this is what I'm going to, you know, I'm business development manager. I'm working for this construction software company. I thought you'd be an interesting um, company to like approach. I think our system, you know, can help you out in many different ways. But before I even get to that level, I just want to get to know what your company does and get some feedback on that. Just have a conversation, and and they'll just feel comfortable. And when you make them feel comfortable, that's when you're going to be like, "Well, we're looking for this and this and that." And now I trust you. We're looking for this and this. No one wants to be sold. No one wants to be sold. Well, they want to be able to buy, right? And and at the end of the day. Well, regardless of the product or service, they're buying you. They're buying the person on the other end because that's where they want to spend their time in. And if anything goes wrong, that's what the person want to call it because they trust and they feel comfortable with them, right? But you're not going to get to the point if you're like, hi, my name is Daniel. I'm looking for a job. Hi, my name is Daniel. I'm looking to sell. Hi, my name is Daniel. I'm looking for investment. Right. Yeah. If it's if it's like transactional, you know, there's like the, the expectation and stuff. It just doesn't, it can't be organic then and you can't have those yeah, like meaningful connections or friendships. Like, I think that's like, yeah, speaking to other like business leaders and stuff, they always talk about like, I'm friends with my community and stuff like that. And yeah, I think that's where the, the trust is. And, and that's the biggest thing. And I think this is why a lot of Calgary CEOs, and especially in Calgary, I think it has a really interesting culture. And I really appreciate what they do here. Maybe, I don't know if it's unique to Calgary or Canada, but I can definitely say for Calgary is that Regardless of what industry or type of CEO you are, we all get together and communicate and share ideas and share our problems. And and that is because it gets very lonely at the top and you never want to tell your employees or your team the problems that you're dealing with because then you're gonna they're gonna be nervous or worried. But you can deal with other CEOs and communicate and share experiences. And you'll always be like, this is a problem that I'm dealing with. I'm like, hey, you know what? We dealt with that last year and here's a solution for that. I'm like, oh wonderful. Thanks for letting me know that. Thanks for sharing that knowledge. And vice versa. It's, it's you're sharing knowledge and you're sharing insight and you're sharing ways to solve problems, really complex, hard problems that that individual hasn't faced, but they gave you advice because you know what? I might face that problem in three months or six months or a year from now. And they're, and at least the CEOs here are smart enough to know that. And they're always sharing that information. It's not like, oh, it's my hard kept secret. I can't let you know that we're not doing good. And it's not seen as that. It's more like we're doing good. We might not be doing good right now because we're going through some troubles. But it's a stage or a, a phase that every company goes through. No company is ever stable. They're always constantly moving, constantly flowing, right? Totally. So again, having that, I want to say community of like, hey, let's share experiences helps yeah. all of Calgary grow. And that's something that I've right. seen time and time again with the CEOs, with those C-suite executives. Wow. That's that's really like powerful to share. Definitely 
have got like a similar vibe like that. I mean, I haven't had the conversations with too many CEOs and stuff, but just within the Calgary ecosystem, it seems like everybody's trying to build each other up. And it's like, there's not like competition. Like, I guess I've talked with some friends in other countries or, you know, other cities and stuff. And they've shared this weird thing of like competition in business where, you know, you learn something, you try to hold it for yourself because you have to outcompete the other companies and stuff like that. And I feel like that's not as much of a thing in Calgary where it's, you know, everybody's more inclusive and like, hey, let's do this together. Let's be awesome. I think what happens here, it's, it's they're comfortable with not sharing the knowledge and they understand that it's like, okay, so we're building a puzzle and I have 25% of the puzzle. And if I talk to my other co, co you know, colleague, I'm going to get another 10%. And if I talk to another colleague, I'm going to get 15%. And eventually I talk to enough people that I have 100% of the puzzle. But I won't get that other 10 or 15 or 20% of the puzzle by not talking. Now, I can do it on my own. And it'll take me five to 10 years to figure that part of the puzzle. Or <laughs> I can yep. go to my colleague, share my 10% of the puzzle yep. that he doesn't have. He gives me his 10% of the puzzle that I don't right. have. And now we both have a win-win situation. And then we both save each other five to 10 years of pain, suffering, and loss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, that's that's what humans have always done. You know, we've always been coming into communities and supporting each other. You know, somebody's good at growing plants and you're good at making shoes and then you trade. <laughs> and Pretty much, yeah. You know, that, that same fundamental is true, I think, in business and in, you know, technology and stuff like that, because... You figure out part of technology, but you run into trouble with something else. And yeah, super cool. Yeah. Oh, okay. Let's start wrapping up. So I guess what, if you could kind of give a message to, you know, underrepresented people listening to this podcast or new immigrants and stuff, what kind of advice would you give them as far as, you know, getting their, getting their feet warm or feet wet, I guess, <laughs> in the innovation ecosystem in Calgary? Like, where should they go? Who should they start talking to? I would say they should start talking to the community, so the cultural associations, and they should reach out to organizations like the Calgary Catholic Immigrant Society, the Calgary Immigrant Women Association, um, Center for Newcomers, Momentum, the Immigrant Education Society. Um, I don't, am I forgetting any of them? So CCIS, CUA, Tarnis, Momentum, Center for Newcomers. No, those five organizations that are looking for help with settlement services, looking for help in networking and how to network within other industries as a newcomer, immigrant, refugee, um, but also uh, to develop your career skills and also for entrepreneurship programs. We have a lot of entrepreneurship programs as well. Um, and of course, Catapult, if you just looking to talk to somebody and want to be pointed in the right direction, please feel free to reach out to me. And I don't know, can I say my number? No, I don't want to say my number, but I guess email. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess we we can stick it all in the show notes. Yeah, if you want to, yeah, there'll be the notes. If you find it through there. Through email, that'd be great. Or on my LinkedIn, no problem. Feel free to reach out. Always happy to to help out. But the biggest thing I would say to immigrants, newcomers, and refugees, um, it's don't give up. You're going to hear, and this is a frustrating part, you're going to hear from a lot of people and a lot of organizations that you need to do a survival job because you got to fend for your family, you got to fend for your kids, you got to fend for yourself. I say this to you, invest in networking, invest in meeting people, invest in talking to people. Within three to six months, you will find a job in your career field. I promise that. But you need to network. They need to meet you. And I know it's going to suck for a lot of immigrant newcomers and refugees to hear this, but unfortunately, the company that you work for back home and the top university you went to has no meaning here. So if you think because you went to the top university back home 
when you work for the top company back home, they're going to hire you on the spot. You are mistaken, my friend, and I'm sorry to say this. So what you need to do is you need to network, network, and network, meet individuals within your field, go on LinkedIn and message people or companies that you want to work with and let be like, no, hey, this is who I am. Ask them to meet up for a 15-minute minute cup of coffee just to just curious to learn more about your company or your role, how did you got to that position, and warm introduction calls to let them know who you are. Because the goal of those conversations shouldn't be you asking for a job. The, the goal of those conversations is for you to let them know who you are. So when they're looking for people within your experience, you're the first one on their mind. So instead of because 80% of the jobs in Calgary is comes from the hidden job market, only 20% of jobs get posted on LinkedIn and Indeed. And you know why? I know that because I'm a business owner. And if I got to hire an accountant, if I got to hire anybody, I ask my team, hey, who do we know that has an accountant? Who do we know as a project manager? Who do we know as a coordinator? And if my team can tell me someone, they already have 50% as a job. It's now interview. And if as long as you, you hate the interview, you're good. You're, I'm going to hire you. And if none of my team knows an individual that I need, they're looking to hire with those specific skill assets, then they reach out to the network. And if no one from the network, then I go to the dreaded thing of having to write a job description, which most people hate, unless you're an HR, because this is your job. Well, that, so now you know that point, now you're fighting with a bunch of other people. And the system is only going to look for very specific things that you haven't learned or been taught. So you're in a disadvantage. By networking their, your name, your skills, who you are going to be on top of their mind. So when a question gets brought up, who do we know that can do X, Y, and Z? They're going to be saying, oh, I know so-and-so that can do X, right. Y, and Z. Yeah. You know, and, and that, that's what I would say. But don't give up. Keep going and network, network, network. Wow. That's, yeah, that's super powerful advice. I, I definitely think that the message of, you know, your credentials and all that kind of stuff isn't as important as who you are, I think, you know, because that's what transfers, you know, you are a person with skills and experience and you're somebody that can, you know, solve problems for a company. And so presenting that, I think, is what is what it's all about. No, 100% agree. 100%. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking the time for speaking with me today, Daniel. And yeah, sharing all your insight and stuff. It was a fantastic conversation. Yeah, no worry, Peyton. It was my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Really had a great time you know, sharing my experiences and hopefully people can um, find them useful or helpful. If you haven't already, visit rainforestab.ca and sign the Rainforest Social Contract. Become part of the inclusive, silo-busting, sector-agnostic, all-industry, open-sourced, ego-shrinking, ecosystem-building, entrepreneur-focused, wide-open, social barrier-smashing community known as Rainforest Alberta. This episode was brought to you by New Idea Machine. NIM helps new software developers, UI UX designers, and product managers gain mentored hands-on industry experience. And at the same time, we provide companies with risk-free tech talent. Definitely a win-win-win situation. Visit newideamachine.com for more information. Music for the show was created by Tony Deldegan. Please be sure to share this episode with everyone you know. Also, don't forget to come by and say hi at the next Rainforest event. Let us know what you think of this podcast. If you're interested in being either a host, sponsor, or a guest of the show, send me an email at rainforestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>